More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Wednesday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. So you probably saw it last night. President Trump responding to his indictment at Mar-a-Lago. The indictment itself is out. We will be analyzing what he said in the speech. And, of course, the indictment itself, which is... Every bit as preposterous and perhaps even a little bit more so than we had been telling you. It certainly shows us that all the analysis about Bragg as a a person who has really undermined our justice system and is using the powers that he has for illicit political purpose. It's all true. So we'll talk about the Trump indictment. It's out. We read it. Wasn't really that, you know, it's really one page written 16 times, which which we'll we'll get into. Right. It was infinitely weaker, Buck, than I think even the most ardent Trump supporter would have hoped. Really? Because I I feel like it was exactly where we were told it was going to be one charge 34 times over. Yeah, I just I, I guess maybe this is when I said on the show, I felt like they were holding something back to try to have somebody be able to grab a hold of it, and it just wasn't there. You, you were giving Bragg, the district attorney of the biggest city in America, <laughs> yes. credit for not being a complete loon. I mean, a total yes. lunatic. And he doesn't deserve that credit. I gave him too it's, much credit. It's, it's, I, I mean, I did. I, I thought there's no way that he's just going to ride or die with a porn star payment that he's going to charge 34 different times. I mean, and he did. And so uh, I think it's the biggest gift to Donald Trump, maybe in his political career. We're going to get into that here momentarily. Also, we have Andy McCarthy with us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so we'll be talking to him about it. And uh, a couple of other big news items, though. We're definitely going to spend some time on them today. So I want to be clear that this isn't just going to be three hours of analysis of the Trump indictment. Uh, we had uh, two major and, and unfortunately, very disappointing uh elections you know mid-year off-cycle elections that that happened here um you know not in the congressional cycle not in a presidential uh you have the mayor of chicago has been elected and it is not 
it is not the law and order uh, candidate um, Vallis, Paul Vallis. Brandon Johnson is now the new mayor of Chicago, the Windy City. Um, he is a progressive. He's a socialist. He thinks that by creating more jobs, there'll be less crime. It's. I saw your tweet, Clay. I think it, we, we'll spend more time on this and how this. How did he win? What is wrong with the people of Chicago who voted for this guy? Um, but get out of Chicago was your tweet. And to a lot of people, I think, unfortunately, that is the message. That is the message they should be hearing right now. If it's, you are in Chicago and you have the ability to leave, that is, you have the financial resources, you can do your job remotely, I would leave Chicago. And I, and I don't say that lightly. And I'm saying that as a father of three we know what the crime rate is in Chicago. As bad as Lori Lightfoot was, and I think arguably Buck, she was the worst mayor in America, Chicago may have picked a worse replacement for her than Lori Lightfoot herself. And one thing that's very, very true that I think we've we've seen a lot in the last few years with COVID and the BLM riots and all these things that have gone on, you really are you're really casting your ballot in two ways as an American. Who you vote for and who you pay taxes to. The one thing that gets the attention of these big cities, whether it's, you know, New York or Chicago or LA or whatever, is, oh my gosh, we have a giant hole in our budget and our socialist budget uh, system that we've got going here and we can't continue. So it matters. You vote with your feet as well as with the ballot. And I've done that, Buck, in my own life. I'm born and raised, for those of you who, who know, in Nashville, Tennessee. That is Davidson County. I am so furious with how Davidson County responded to COVID that I I don't think I'll ever live in Davidson County for the rest of my life where downtown Nashville is. I live in Williamson County. Those of you know the area, Franklin Brentwood, just south of town. I don't think I'll ever own a home, pay property taxes in Davidson County again for the rest of my life. Born and raised in that county, lived in it until about eight years ago when we moved out with the birth of our third son. And I don't know that I'll ever live in Davidson County again. Now, I own some property there, and certainly I go back and forth uh, as anybody would who lives close to a city. But I'm so thoroughly disgusted uh, with their management of COVID that I don't want to endorse it in any way. I also, so we have Chicago. We're going to analyze a little bit more about what happened in that. It was very tight. It was uh, 51-49 in the percentage points breakdown between Johnson, the progressive who won, and Vallis who was just, it's funny, Johnson was making Vallis seem like a right-wing guy, which is just further clarification that to say we're going to lock up violent criminals and try to make people safer on the streets is a right-wing position now. That yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat. If you're a Democrat who says, I don't think you should have to get arrested 100 times before you do real time, I don't think we should let convicted felons who get caught with loaded handguns on the streets of our cities go because social justice, if you take that position... You can lose to somebody who says you're a right winger. And that yes. is what happened in Chicago in summary. But the other thing that, that came in last night, and this is, look, this is a wake up call, everybody. It's a wake up call. The same way that, um, what happened in 2022 with the ballot harvesting and, and the realities of the close races that we saw places like Arizona and Georgia. I remember we were saying, guys, we got to get the machines in place here to do what they're doing. A little bit of pushback, which I can understand from some people on the right. Now Trump says, you're going to lose if you don't do that, because he's seen the numbers. The data is very clear on this, all right? We just lost a, we just lost not only a seat on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, 
Um, but we lost overall control of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And this is the first time libs have had a majority on that court for 15 years, Clay. And it's a big deal because now they're going to ramp everything they can do in that critical battleground state that will help a Democrat in 2024. They're going to ram it through. And GOP, sleep at the wheel on this one. For, I don't know what else to say. Outspent dramatically, outorganized dramatically. So do we want to learn? Battleground state. How is this not even on the radar of major activists and, and you know, national-level Republicans? Democrats are better at elections right now. I, I think you just have to accept that they are better at getting their votes out. They're more strategic. They are more cutthroat. They want to win more than Republicans do. And I think that's hard for people out there to understand, but... When you look overall at the record, basically over what, Buck, the last five, six years? Since 2016, what can you point to and say, man, Republicans have run an incredible campaign and really kicked ass? I mean, we just had Joe Biden's the worst president in any of our lives. And we barely took back the House and we were not able to take control of the Senate. In fact, we lost a seat. If you look at John Fetterman, there's no Republican equivalent of John Fetterman. Dude who can get elected to statewide office, can't even speak, immediately checks himself into a hospital, looks like Uncle Fester. They are committed to their ideas in a way that Republicans, frankly, are not. They're far more strategic. They're far more devious. They're winning. Let's let's look at, I mean, you, you raised, where have we had a real bright spot, meaning a meaningful election in a highly contested election, where it really came down to organizing ground game messaging is obviously always important, but where the Republican showed us how it's done. And there have been a few of those cases. Let's give, let's give full credit to first and foremost on this list of governors, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. We were there on election night, ran, yep. ran up the scoreboard in a way that it was almost, it was hard to say it out loud because you thought you were going to be made fun of because the number couldn't have been right. That was how I felt. I was like, no way he could have won by that many points. 19 he points. Did. He did. So that was enormous. Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia, how did he win? Yeah, I should I should have put him in. 21. That's probably the last. And what I mean when I'm saying I, I'm impressed by DeSantis and, look, uh, and Brian Kemp in Georgia, they won big victories. Glenn Youngkin, I would say, Buck, is the last time, the only time maybe in the last six years, where in an election that you didn't anticipate Republicans winning, a Republican found a way right. to win and 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 did it in a way that everybody was like, wow, thank you. The DeSantis win was so total that yeah. that is noteworthy, right? We, we knew were expecting he was him to going win. to win. We knew he was going to get reelected. Youngkin was a huge shot across the bow to Democrats. Yes. Your point about Kemp, I think, is interesting, too, because it's worth remembering. I don't think anybody, I don't even think Kemp believes he's a national-level guy, as in presidential race guy. But he's a good candidate for the state of Georgia. The people of Georgia like him. He understands the system. He understands his state. And that's something else that I think, you know, we, it's very easy for these, some of these Republicans to, oh, they have national level name recognition or, or they were famous or they're connected to, you know, somebody big. Is this person a good candidate for that state? Is, you know, and, and that's something that I think we, we lose sight of, especially on the media side sometimes. If I were running for president, and I were the nominee as a Republican, I think I would pick Brian Kemp as my VP. 
I, I don't think Trump's going to do it. Maybe if DeSantis were the nominee, he would consider it. And the reason why Buck is complete strategy. Yeah, deliver Georgia. He would guarantee Georgia is, in my opinion, coming back into the red camp. He beat Stacey Abrams by seven and a half points. Usually the VP doesn't matter that much. But if you look at Trump, uh, that was an 11 or 12,000 uh, vote difference. I think Brian Kemp, given how popular he is, would put Georgia back into the Republican camp. And I think, look, some of those numbers on Glenn Youngkin are still pretty extraordinary. If you truly thought that you could put Virginia in play, then Glenn Youngkin as a vice presidential candidate would make a lot of sense. My concern with Trump, if he's a nominee, Buck, is he's just going to pick, and I'm not trying to take a shot here, Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or Christy Noem, somebody who's already in, uh, even maybe uh, Carrie Lake, who I love, somebody who is in a state either that is already red or it does not have necessarily the pull to flip a state. Here's the you know the challenge that we face. So Wisconsin, um, the, I, I just want to say these lessons, and then Clay, we do have to. Do you realize that for the media with the Trump, we're about to get into this with Andy McCarthy in detail, everybody, about the indictment, about what Trump said last night. That's coming up here in a minute. But it was solemn for the media. <laughs> we got to come back in this. They were just like, oh, it is, it is a sad, a sad day, day for a American sad day democracy. For the nation. I mean, Mika was she had like a fan out, and she was, oh gosh, it's getting it's getting crazy out here. Uh, over on Morning Joe, it's so funny. Anyway, uh, the Chicago race, and, and I think that we have to look at, at the markers here, look at the, the early indicators. Um, the Chicago race shows you that Democrats are, are capable of voting for policies that are quite literally putting them at physical risk. Yes. And they just, they're so ideologically devoted. So don't think, oh, this place or this state has suffered so much that there are going to be Democrats who don't turn out. Or, no, Democrat turnout in pretty much everywhere is effectively guaranteed. That's what we're up against. It's guaranteed. Obviously, Chicago is Democrat versus Democrat. But it just goes to show you their tolerance for bad policies, I think, is way more than people realize. So don't expect them to say, oh, well, they're doing a terrible job. Look at Gavin Newsom in California. There are tons of examples of this. And then the other thing is the ground game and the election architecture before Election Day matters and what just happened in wisconsin is we failed to focus enough on that election kelly was a very strong candidate daniel kelly uh should have won that supreme court seat state supreme court seat and what now happens is we're behind the eight ball now we're going into wisconsin 2024 with democrats going to change the structure of the election in every way they possibly can and what was the what was the 20 20, 20, 000. 20 000. Yeah, this stuff matters and and ron johnson our buddy won by i think twenty six thousand votes roughly in wisconsin for the senate race that just took place in 2022 so i mean we're talking about absolute margin tiny difference between victory and defeat and democrats have added a a, a, a you know pretty substantial chess piece to their board we'll come back we'll come back to this uh janet uh protosewitz is the new Supreme Court justice in uh, in Wisconsin. We'll come back to that later on. But, I mean, Clay, we've got to come back in a moment here to the media. I mean, they were in mourning. It was so sad for them to see Trump. It's, it's hilarious that that's what they went with, but that's what they did. We'll play it for you when we come back. In the meantime, taking care of your family, I try to do it every single day. Got a 15-year-old, 12-year-old, 8-year-old wife who thinks I'm doing sometimes an okay job, like most wives do. 
But one of the things that I've done is we've got car insurance, got health insurance, got life insurance, trying to take care of some of the uncertainties and dangers that might come from life. Have you got food insurance? Right now, the makers of the best emergency food, My Patriot Supply, they're knocking $200 off their popular three-month emergency food kit. This will last for years. We have got three months for each of my kids, myself, my wife. It's just stored in our pantry. Over 2,000 calories each day. It's food security. Something goes wrong. Weather conditions. Supply chain crises. Who knows what might happen in the wake of everything that we saw happen with COVID. Why not go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and save $200 on each kit your family needs. Be sure to get at least one per person. We've got five in the Travis household. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and you get free shipping. MyPatriotSupply.com, the web address. One more time, do what I did with the Travis family. MyPatriotSupply.com. Truth seeking. Reality telling. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I hope all of you are having a fantastic time. Um, out there, we're about to talk with Andy McCarthy, and I think you're probably going to get the best legal analysis of the Trump indictment that you'll find anywhere here in about seven or eight minutes. But first, the hand-wringing and the crocodile tears that are out there uh, in the left-wing media, even though most, I'll be fair, a a huge percentage of the uh, legal analysis that I have seen, even from CNN and MSNBC, and we'll probably play some of this for you a little bit later in the program, has pointed out how deficient so much of these charges actually are. But here is a media montage of all of your favorite left-wingers talking about how sad they are about Trump's indictment. Listen. It's a sad day for America. Hard stop. This is no time for celebration. You know, I think it's sad. I have fought Trump for a long time, but I'm sad that this has happened. How are you feeling about a historic day? I, you know, it's it's sad. And this is a day of profound sadness that an ex-president is indicted, but it's also a time to celebrate. Because it's a sad moment to see a former president have to do this, even though we feel it could lead to justice. If you don't see this, it's a sad day for America. It's a sad day for America. It's a sad day. Well, I don't think anybody can consider it a good day. Regardless of anything, it's just really sad. Oh, she's so sad. They're all they're all so sad that the thing they've, that they've been, been demanding, demanding this gleefully for years, for years, seven years, Buck, finally, finally happens in the most preposterous, absurd and laughable way possible. But it's very clear what they're trying to do. They're they're hoping to look like less like the childish lunatics that they are because they've been demanding this for years and now here we are and was it worth it was it worth it lips oh it's a tough day for the republic clay i don't think so no i mean look annie mccarthy's gonna lay out why this is absolutely a joke i i really believe that alvin bragg is the single best asset for donald trump's presidential campaign that he may have had in his entire political career. This this case is so weak that Michael Avenatti could probably win it if he was the defense counsel. I mean, that's that's how bad this case is, how weak this case is against Trump. Gun owners, I don't need to remind you, training at the range is expensive because ammo is really expensive. You can't even get it sometimes. They run out in stores. I've dealt with it myself. But there's an inexpensive way you can train at home without using ammunition called the Mantis X system. It's referred to as dry fire practice. 
That's what Mantis X is, a firearms training system that has no ammo. It's an all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. You pulling that trigger too hard? You anticipating your shot and moving your hands right before? Guess what? With the Mantis X system, you'll get data-driven, real-time feedback to help you fix those shooting mechanics issues. Then when you get out to the range and actually using live fire, guess what? You're going to be putting those rounds right on target. Become competent as you can be with your shooting ability. Check out the Mantis X system. Go to MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X dot com. All right, welcome back to Clay and Buck. As promised, now we're diving into the actual text of the indictment against Donald Trump. Even feels weird calling it an indictment. It's it's a farce on paper, but we read through it, and so did our friend Andy McCarthy, who joins us right now. He's, of course, Fox News contributor. He's at uh, National Review and and is a, a former prosecutor for the Southern, Southern District of New York. Um, Andy, can, I, I just want your first reaction to it, and then I have a specific question, courtesy of the New York Times, about this one. But when you read this thing, what was your takeaway? I guess two things. One is um, it, it seems to me like it's insufficient on its face because it doesn't state a crime, so it fails in the fundamental purpose of what an indictment is for, which is to put the defendant on notice of what he's charged with. And second, it's incoherent factually because uh, Brad's theory is that Trump essentially stole the 2016 election by fraud. And in order to prove that, what Bragg proposes to do is show that he committed a series of 34 that he calls felony crimes but those crimes take place between February 14th and December 5th, 2017. So I fail to see how acts that take place in 2017 can have caused a fraud four months earlier. Um, that, Wait, can, just, can I just say, so, so Andy, the, the time, to the point of the New York Times, the headline, their main headline on the site right now about the indictment is a surprise accusation bolsters a risky case against trump is what you're talking about this surprise accusation like what what is this well i guess it's still a surprise buck right because he hasn't told us what it is but i would say that um i'm glad the new york times thinks that uh you know surprise and intrigue or i i guess that's good for coverage but it's really bad criminal law because um one of the obligations that a prosecutor has is to be the legal advisor to the grand jury in uh, a proceeding an investigation that leads to an indictment so where we all have a right under the fifth amendment uh not to be hauled into court for a criminal trial unless a grand jury has found probable cause that uh, a crime is committed and the test there is that a grand jury has to find that there's probable cause for every element of the crime that the prosecutor wants to charge. So here you have a situation where Bragg has charged Trump with essentially falsifying his business records in order to conceal another crime. Well, the, the indictment doesn't say what the other crime is. And it's one thing not to tell Donald Trump that. Uh, I think that makes the indictment fail on its face for notice purposes. But it suggests strongly that Bragg didn't instruct the grand jury on another crime and that the grand jury didn't find some other crime 
under a probable cause standard, which would also make the indictment insufficient. Okay, so, and and I just want to, Andy, you're killing it here, and I want to dive into this. If this were a misdemeanor bookkeeping violation, it would have a two-year statute of limitations. That would be tossed out. There'd be no way to charge on this at this point in time. If the only way they can get it under the statute of limitations is by trying to argue that it's a felony because of this uh, you know, amorphous, which I'm going to get to in a second, second crime yep. that they have not defined. Uh, and that would theoretically create a five-year statute of limitations, which also, by the way, is potentially uh, also in play because, uh, because we're up more than five years since this would have occurred. Background there. So for this, when you read this, Strip away Democrat, Republican, just be a prosecutor from the Southern District of of New York as you were in your career. How embarrassed are you for Alvin Bragg and the New York District Attorney's Office that they would even allow this farce to go on and that after 240 years of not ever charging a president, former president, anything like that, that this would be the indictment that breaks that precedent is to me a tremendous embarrassment to their office to the country at large is it to you as well like now that you've seen all this well here's why clay um you know i was a prosecutor in the building next door for about 20 years and much of the time i was there the uh in fact i think all of the time i was there um the legendary bob morgenthau was the district attorney of New York County of, of Manhattan. Uh, and he was, uh, you know, he had been a U.S. attorney for many years in the Southern District of New York Became before he became Manhattan's DA for, I think, 34 years. Uh, and I think anybody uh, who knows anything about Morgenthau would know that he expected prosecutors in his office to come up to a certain standard uh, and to conduct their their use their powers in a in a aggressive but appropriately aggressive and ethical way mindful of what the requirements of due process of law are and in the legacy of that office the adult leadership of the office would prevent things like this indictment from happening so i think from that lofty perch what we now have in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is the district attorney himself is the exemplar of abuse. In other words, instead of playing the role that supervisors are supposed to play, uh, namely to make sure that their young, inexperienced prosecutors don't do stuff like this, this guy has politicized the office in a way that would be unrecognizable to Bob Morgenthau to the point that when Morgenthau, Morgenthau was an elected DA too, but in the culture of New York at the time, the qualifications for that office, if you, if anyone had dared to, you know, run against them or had a prayer of running against them, would it be that you had to match him in terms of, of, of what being an exemplary prosecutor was, that you would enforce the law without fear or favor across the board equally against everyone. Now we have a guy who runs for office like a Soviet apparatchik promising to abuse the power of his office in order to leverage them against one guy, which is which would be, I think, 10 years ago even, 
that would have been disqualifying if someone sought office on those grounds. The fact that he got elected doing that is just mind-boggling. So, wait, Andy, how, how is it possible that someone can defend themselves against an indictment that lists 30, it's, it's basically the same thing, 30 times, right? So, and, and to your point before, it would be like the stolen property passed back and forth between two individuals. Right. You know, if two guys steal a bike and they handed it off five times in the course of, usually don't charge them with five bike thefts, right? But that's effectively what has happened here with this Bragg indictment. But how can anyone be expected to defend themselves and have any kind of a fair trial when they're saying you committed this crime and there's another crime that I'm not even naming that you also committed and therefore the first crime that I've named is a worse crime. How can you defend yourself if he doesn't have to name the other crime? Like, Doesn't he have to? Yeah, well, that's right. He The indictment fails as an indictment in the sense that an indictment in the United States under our system and this is a this is a long anglo-american principle but uh the indictment has two functions one is to put the defendant on notice of exactly what the charge is so he can prepare his defense so if you don't tell him what crimes he's accused of committing he can't prepare his defense and the indictment fails for that reason the second thing an indictment's supposed to be is your proof for double jeopardy purposes that you've already been prosecuted for the crime charged. So again, if it doesn't articulate the crime in the four corners of the indictment, then it, then you don't you can't plead double jeopardy. So to my mind, just the basic function of a, of an indictment. And uh, as you guys said, uh, you know, a second ago, we're not talking here Republican, Democrat, conservative. This is just like basic clinical but, stuff. So with that in it mind, Andy, it I mean, do what an indictment does. Looking at this just as, as a person who, as Clay pointed out, 20 plus years officer of the court in the federal uh, Southern District of New York, in a fair in a fair system, would Alvin Bragg be subject to getting disbarred in your mind? Well, I mean, he's got an argument and I don't like, you know, I've said in defense of uh, of John Eastman and the whole January 6th stuff, I don't like the idea of uh Penalizing legal legal analysis, legal right? Theories. So I, yeah. I don't want to do to Bragg what I wouldn't do to Eastman. Um, and I would say that Bragg has an argument to make. I think it's a frivolous argument, but he's got an argument. I think he's going to come in and say the statute that I'm invoking here doesn't s- specify which crime it has to be that he's concealing in order to make it a felony. You know, the statute so, says it's felony, uh, felony falsification of business records. And what the statute says is he can, he had the intent to conceal another crime. And I have, what Bragg is going to say is I have simply tracked the language of the statute, um, which should be adequate for due process purposes. We're talking to Andy and McCarthy. Do the rest in a bill of the- Yeah, sorry to cut I'm you sorry, off. I, I, was I was just going to say. Yes, yeah, okay. If you were representing Trump right now, and you immediately see this, don't you demand that this be dismissed as insufficient on its face? Now, maybe, like you say, in the Bill of Particulars, they can specify more so. But do you think there's any chance that this judge tosses these charges, should he? If he does not, they have this hearing on December 4th to consider all the motions. What sort of recourse would Trump have before trial 
based on your experience, to try to get these things tossed before he even has to appear potentially in front of a jury? Yeah, so here's what I would do. Uh, and obviously they're closer to it than I am. They have much more information than I do. So take this with whatever grain of salt you, you care to. But um, I don't fault them for not yet making a motion to dismiss because they just got the indictment at 2.30 yesterday afternoon. So, that, you know, you have to give them a chance to digest it. And I don't blame the judge for not, like, as they say in the law, sua sponte, like on his own hook, dismissing it uh Judges don't tend to do that. They wait for a, a defense motion. But now that these guys have had a chance to digest what's in the indictment, I think it's one thing to say, you know, fine, we can have a, a like the long motion schedule the judge gave them. I think he says they have to have their motions in by August or something after the uh, after the state makes discovery. Um, but I would be in there today under the judge's toes if I could, saying two things. One. This indictment fails as an indictment because on its face it doesn't state the crime and it doesn't give us notice of what the crime is, so it fails the basic test of what an indictment is. And while in another case it might be fine to wait until August to hash all of that out, here you have a situation where state criminal law enforcement processes are being allowed to intrude into a national federal election. And before a court should allow that to happen, um, they ought to make sure that the state has a real crime and that there's sufficient and convincing evidence that Trump probably Well, well Andy, it. We, and we, I we might have to I set would... up a special phone just for you to call in over the next you know, nine months or so. But thank you, Andy McCarthy. Thank you so much uh, for right, joining guys. us. As always, appreciate yeah, you, my buddy. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Spring cleaning just got a whole lot easier with Legacy Box, the Tennessee-based company that digitally preserves old media. I'm talking videotapes, film reels, photo albums, all the things that take up space in your home, but you don't want to throw out because they contain precious memories. The problem is they will deteriorate over time, not to mention being at risk of heat, mold, and fire. So it's wise to get your past preserved now, and you can do that with Legacy Box. It starts with them sending you a shipping box, a Legacy Box. You fill it with your old tapes, reels, photos. I've done it. Clay's done it. So easy. You fill it, you ship it back. In a few weeks, you get digital copies that can be easily enjoyed, shared, and organized. I now send old photos and videos and things to my family members. I can only do that because I've got Legacy Box. Join over a million families that have trusted Legacy Box, including Clay and me. For a limited time, Legacy Box is running a $9 videotape sale that's 65% off. Never been a better time. $9 a videotape sale right now. Go to LegacyBox.com slash buck. That's LegacyBox.com slash Buck. Mother's Day's right around the corner. Go today. LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K. Clay and Buck 24-7. Subscribe today. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Andy McCarthy's so good. And I appreciate him making time to come on the show when, if you've got Fox News on, I don't know how many shows he's appeared on, Fox News, he's be in tired. the last two days. He's got to be All tired. of them. Yeah. Can I just say well, one funny Andy story? I remember asking him. We used to we used to hang out back in the day when I was doing uh, Glenn Beck's The Blaze on a panel show, and he would come in the green room. He's the best. Like he's just always been super smart, low key, no attitude, but knows everything. I love that. I love no attitude, but knows everything. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And and I was just like, so what were you like in the Southern District? He was like, well, if you were guilty, you really didn't want me. <laughs> I was like, you know, as the prosecutor, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'd love to have him as an attorney if I were Trump. Hmm. I mean, I don't know that Trump's ever asked. He may not want to do any legal representation work now, 
But if I were charged with a crime in New York, the first person that I would want to call is Andy McCarthy. I, I, you know, and I, I say this and people sometimes I, I feel like there's a there's a little bit of a there's maybe frustration that gets blowback on this. But there's been a whole campaign to deprive Trump of top legal talent. And unfortunately, it has been very effective. And yeah. I know about this because I know plenty of people that work at the super fancy and expensive uh, corporate law firms in New York, some of which do criminal defense, etc., cetera, uh, or some of the ones that specialize in criminal defense and, and even non-criminal stuff. There are a lot of law firms where it's just you cannot go work for Trump. If you do anything Trump-related, you are destroyed. They actually will forbid you. The partnership will forbid you, and you'll destroy your career if you try to uh, try to do it. Yeah, anyway. and 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 that's not even just Trump, Buck. There's been, and, th- and I'm speaking as an attorney. I mean, this is why I donated money to the January six political prisoners. Julie Kelly has talked about on this show a lot. There has been an aggressive campaign to try to shame lawyers for taking clients uh, who are quote-unquote, unacceptable, right? And that can be, hey, you're a pro-life attorney and you want to to attack Roe v. Wade or whatever it might be. There is a lot of pressure uh, against attorneys, especially in big law firms. And I know many of you out there listening right now who are attorneys are nodding your heads along right now. I don't remember that being the case 20 years ago when I graduated from law school. And certainly, look, I've I've said on the show before, I've represented murderers. You know, I've represented people who were accused of domestic assault, drug dealing. That's part of the job of a lawyer is to sometimes take clients who are uh, yeah. not Th- this is paragons of virtue. One of the principles, you know, we used to have all these things, you know, when you, well, when I grew up, but when we grew <laughs> up, we used to have these principles that we shared about, uh, you know, free speech and things like this. And one of the things I remember was always the accused is entitled to a vigorous and and full defense yes. in a court of law. That is good. the left now. If you represent the wrong person as a lawyer, you are a target of the left. They're totally coming true. for you as the lawyer now, which is a, a whole change. But this is the this is the way commies operate. They burn everything to the ground. All right, look. Uh, if you guys want to ask questions, we're going to dive into a little bit off the top of the next hour. I'll put my proverbial lawyer hat on. I'll tell you what I thought and where we're going, not only legally but also politically. Thinking about the impacts of this going forward, we'll also and the talk, speech the and speech. the speech. We haven't really talked about what Trump said. What did Buck and I think of the Trump address at Mar-a-Lago? More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.